Welcome to the Scale with Tech and AI Growth Lab podcast. I am your host, Jay Farr at Tech Fusion Systems. Our guest is Eric Whitmoyer at My Biz Coaches. Eric, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much, Jay. Appreciate it. It's great to see you. Pleasure having you. Give us a, a brief overview, like top level of your business, My Biz Coaches, and what you guys do. Yeah, absolutely. So our primary focus is working with service-based business owners that I categorize them as both blue and, and white color. So you've got your white color is the lawyers, doctors, dentists, and, and the blue color, you have the plumbers, landscapers, painters in that category. And what we find is those are people that are really good at their tactical skill, but often don't quite have the business acumen of developing and scaling one of those service-based businesses. And so we work with them in a number of different areas of their business. Obviously, sales and marketing is a big component. That's a 20 plus years of my background and experience, but also operational efficiencies, financials. It's interesting, literally on a podcast a couple of weeks ago, I made the comment that 44 clients in four years, and I have yet to not recommend to one of my clients that they needed a new bookkeeper or accountant. That's interesting. Um, yeah. And, and there's a story behind that too. And the more that I engage with clients, the more I realize that this is an ongoing challenge for most small business owners. They don't have good financial data because it's not tracked effectively. Most accountant CPAs basically do annual tax returns. They don't do strategic planning. And consequently, what happens is you have a business owner who's getting financial data, which is usually 30 to 60 days old, right? And they're making financial decisions based on old data. As opposed to extrapolating and then projecting out and they're saying, oh, here's some changes we need to make. Mm -hmm. And so what we do is we play a more proactive role with our clients and helping them look not just at the business and where it's at today, but more specifically, where do they want to go and make the right decisions that allow them to get there. But uh, a lot of that extends from when I first got into the space four years ago, I started recognizing common trends. And I'd heard from a business broker friend of mine that 80% of small business owners never get to sell their business. And mm. anybody who listens to Cody Sanchez buy boring businesses, you'll hear all the time that they're talking about business owners that are approaching retirement age and want to unload their business, but they can't. And the number one reason for that is bad books, bad financials, not managed. Yeah, it's, it's sad too, because from an investor standpoint, most of those businesses aren't worth anything. Yes. Business owners don't understand that. And so from an investor standpoint, it's not worth anything, but that doesn't mean that it's not worth anything. Exactly. It's just not worth purchasing because a lot of those businesses are run by the business owner who is leaving, meaning the business will just go under when they're gone. And when I, I, we both follow uh, Alex Hermosi a bit, he talks a lot about that too. And it, it's sad to see because when a business, a small business owner builds that business up over so many years, they have so much going for it. And if they would just get over that last hurdle, it attractive to an investor, they would be able to sell for a decent price. And so, yeah, the lack of a good exit strategy is, is an in interesting topic you just brought up there. And maybe you could talk a little bit about how you advise your clients about that so they can plan into the future so that doesn't become a problem all the way at the end of their career there. Right. Yeah. I appreciate that. That's a huge component of the challenge that we struggle with. It's the One of the first things that I, so it took me a better part of the first year of engaging with clients to realize this was a bigger problem than I was familiar with when I got into coaching. I spent uh, 25 years running big organizations. I, I helped two companies grow to a hundred million dollars. So I wasn't as 
acutely familiar with the challenges of these smaller businesses, even having had, I've had 14 of my own small businesses as well, but many of those were concurrent while I had a full-time job, right? So I had like a coffee shop and a martial arts school and different things like that. But so I was familiar with the trials and challenges of a small business, but having worked on the corporate side of it, I had the skill sets to grow and scale those companies. So when I sat down and I started talking to some of my owners and I realized that none of them had rarely ever sat down and done strategic planning. They started a business because they had a passion about some particular skill that they were good at. They decided that, hey, this is, I enjoy this, or they learned a trait from somewhere from some other company and decided, okay, I'm going to go do it for myself because I can do it better. And they got out and they started doing it. And then consequently, they found themselves, okay, I don't have this skill set or I'm struggling with this. And often they just muscle their way through it. And let's be fair, if they started 15 or 20 years ago, coaching consulting was not in vogue, right? People were not, they didn't, yeah. you didn't hire a business coach. I'm sure you did, but it was called consulting. Yeah. It wasn't nearly popular. Yeah. Typically very expensive, yep. uh, typically very niche very industry specific. Yep. It just wasn't prevalent like it is now. And so it's definitely a huge benefit to small businesses. There's so many more resources available and at every size too. I mean, there's small consultants for smaller businesses, there's medium sized ones, et cetera. So yeah, that's, you know, a really good point there. Yeah. That, that things have changed for the positive. I believe so. And of course, anytime you have that much change in a short period of time, there's also some watering down of the solutions and services that are out there too, so that are not quite as sharp. The reality is when we sit down with our clients and we say, okay, where do you want to be five years, 10 years, 15 years from now? Then that allows us to paint the picture and say, okay, now we know what the end goal is. Let's back into that and see what that needs to look like. What are the things that we need to accomplish to be able to achieve that? And so for instance, you referenced the not being able to sell, not having a good exit strategy. We start with the exit strategy in mind. As a matter of fact, my, my previous the CEO that I worked for my last company learned a lot from the ownership group there as a whole, but the CEO specifically was one of the ones that taught me that he never got into a, a business venture without having an exit strategy, multiple exit strategies, as a matter of fact. As a matter of fact, he taught me, the, so one of the things when we sold that business in 2017, he had courted the business that, that acquired him for six years. So he had been talking to the person that he was intending to sell to for six years before we actually sold the business. Yeah. And so it was a very interesting, I'm like, wow, that's to have the patience and the discipline. But we were in a very niche industry. And so it was because we we're in the wireless industry as a dealer, there's only certain people you could sell to. So it was a very small group of people that we could sell to. And so he identified the guy that he wanted to sell to, the company, I should say, and courted that relationship for six years before we eventually sold. Yeah, that's an awfully long time. I'm glad it worked out. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. but that's, I, and I, I use that story when I engage with clients because I'm like, look, if 80% of small business owners never sell, what are you going to do differently that's going to allow you to be able to sell your business and have a, a true exit? as opposed to shuttering your doors, which is what happens with those 80% of those business owners, or they sell it for peanuts, for pennies on the dollar. And you're going to have to do something different. And let's go through the four primary things that, that you need to make sure you solve for to make sure you're prepared for that. Yeah. I have a kind of a random question for you. I've seen a little bit of traction through ads talking about employee-owned companies where basically the strategy is old fellow started business a long time ago, built it up, and his exit strategy is actually transferring ownership to certain employees with not just profit sharing and equity sharing, but also 
ownership of the business and that becomes the exit strategy. What are your experiences with that? And do you see that as a growing trend? And what are your, what is your opinion of it? Yeah, that's a great question. I would say that, yes, first of all, my, the, I've had multiple conversations with people and one of the challenges is, right, so my era, right, I have a little bit more gray than you do. So in growing up, one of the things that we recognized often was most of the people of the baby boom era, as they built their business, their intention was to, to hand it off to their children. Their intention was to have their children take over the business. And I can tell you, having worked with my family, I would have been very proud to take over my father's business if that had been the opportunity and run that and do it. But I can tell you the vast majority of the people that I know that are my age would have had zero interest in running or taking over some family business. And so that's pivoted over the last, I would say, 15 years or so to the point where we need to be more creative or more strategic, I guess is probably the better word, about what that exit strategy looks like. And, yeah. and to your point, I think that is the best solution for the companies that are sub, what's the target? I would say probably 10, maybe 5 million in, in annual gross revenue. If they're sub 5 million in gross revenue, that should be an ideal solution or at least part of, because you want to have multiple exit strategies. Right. And you, you brought that up about having multiple options yep. because I, I'm a person who's crazy about options. I want to have a lot of options because you can't necessarily rely on just one. It may not work out for any number of reasons. Have a backup and another backup and just yep. make sure your options are open so that you have, you can take advantage of the best opportunity when the time comes. Yes, Absolutely. that's really interesting that you tied those together. <laughs> and I, I would say that if, if the last 20 years haven't taught us anything, they've taught us that timing can be a major factor in any kind of exit strategy. You take the average employee, for that matter, that decided they wanted to retire. If they tried to retire in 2001, 2008, 2018, 2020, <laughs> they probably had a 20, 30, 40% hit to their retirement funds that didn't allow them to retire, or at least not the way they intended to. It's the exact same thing for a business owner. Do you want to sell in a market that's a depressed market that somebody's going to give you 50 cents on the dollar for your business? Or do you want to have the option to choose and to hold on for three years? But what we often find in the small business owner space is that people are selling because of divorce. They're selling because of health. They're selling because of family commitments, family members in other parts of the country where they can't, or they have not created a structure within their organization that they can delegate and manage from a distance because they don't have the tools and resources in place. Mm -hmm. So those are types of solutions that we like to offer at MyBizCoach is to help and understand that it is feasible to do that, but it does take discipline, it takes structure, and it takes a, a committed decision to put those types of solutions in place so that they can have the results that they want and have those options that you reference. Because if I have a business that can run without me being there day to day, something I learned from Michael Gerber, the e-myth, if you've ever heard that book, read that yeah. book. Yeah, that's it's quite old, but yeah, I've read yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> like I said. <laughs> but yeah, in the e-myth, the first thing, one of the things I should say that I, what resounding thing that I got from that, he's, you have a business when you can walk away from your business and a year later you can come back and it's not only existing, it's thriving, right? Yeah. And so to your point earlier about businesses being, you know, valuable and transferable as an asset, right? Something that's sellable. It requires, it requires that have the business set up correctly so that it can do that. And that's a huge opportunity for most small business owners because most of them are really good at what they do, mm -hmm. struggle with some of those other skill sets. Yeah, it's interesting because for, I think for many decades, probably more like for thousands of years, there's been an extreme disconnect between the entrepreneurial spirited 
professional and the skill set that's required to be very good at those things and running a business are two different things. Very yeah. different. Agreed. And I think the mistake that a lot of uh, people make going into a small business and starting a small business and growing one like that is they just, there's this huge disconnect that building a business is a completely different skill than the services and the products that they're selling. There might be some overlap, but it's very different. How do you help these types of clients, these small businesses where they, they have a, a good business, they have product market fit, they have happy customers, so many good things going on, but they really need help on the business side. They need, like you talked about, real-time data so they can make data-driven decisions based right. on accurate, trackable, performance-based, profit-based, job-based data. They need an exit strategy. They need to think clearly about what their goals really are and whether or not they're achievable and, and what benchmarks you have to hit to get there. So you come in here and have some sort of a consultative process of figuring out like the big picture of everything and then somehow break that down into steps. And is there training involved? Is it uh, a done for you service that you do for them? Or is it a hybrid approach? Like how do you guys deliver your services and, and help these businesses? Yeah, so it's very much a done with you in our solution, mostly because the owner has to sustain it after we leave. The idea is that a client engages with us and they come to rely on us. I have clients that I've had since I started the business and they still work with me today. And, and the nature of the relationship has evolved, right? In the beginning, it was a lot of coaching, like then you would do this next, you need to do this. Let's make sure that we understand this. Now it is more of a consultative approach where they're like, Hey, I was thinking about doing this. What are your thoughts? I need to introduce a new compensation plan. Can you help me put some ideas together? Right. So it's a much different relationship today than it was four years ago when we started. But that's the kind of any relationship. It evolves over time. And yeah. so as that, and now I'm a trusted confidant, almost like a consigliere. And then I love it right? when it gets to that stage. Well, it's so much work to acquire a client and, and to build that relationship and trust and to agreed. for them to understand that you really are a professional in your space and you know what you're doing to help them. It takes some time and it's a lot of effort to get that ball rolling and to get the momentum. But boy, it's such a beautiful thing when, the business owner who knows their business extremely well and the business side and the business strategies of it. And you guys come together and make this amazing partnership. And that's just, a, that's a cool thing because we have clients like that as well. And we yeah. love continuing to work with them. Exactly. It's a rewarding, right? That's, I think that's the other thing. So for many years, I was a sales manager and I lived on the high of closing the deal. And then when I got into sales management, I got into sales leadership and I moved into the executive leadership. I had to change where I got my high from, right? And my high wasn't on the transaction. My high was now on helping my people develop and become better leaders, better sales managers, whatever it was, the, whatever the roles were within the organization. And similarly, I think owners have to do that too. They go through that same evolution that they need to go through. And naturally that relationship, to your point, it organically evolves the same way. In the beginning, it's, hey, we got this great turn on this focused sales approach that we went on, or we introduced this marketing strategy and we got a huge lift, 5X return on our marketing dollar spend or whatever. And then two years later, we're talking about how the owners stepped away from the day-to-day -day and the general managers running and making these decisions. They're coaching through that process and you watch the evolution and development of the individual business owner. That's rewarding to me. That's how I get my high at that point. 
But as a when when we talk about the relationship with our client, one of the one of the probably most uh, impactful things besides helping them determine clearly what their goals are is then recognizing that it they're realistic because any anything you decide with a right with a long enough time horizon, you can do anything you want to do. But you have to recognize that anything that you want to accomplish is going to require a certain amount of time. And you have to be realistic with those expectations. And I think that's where, as a good coach, we can help them do that. We can help them identify, hey, this is real. Uh, this is feasible. But lots of times with a lot of the business owners that we deal with, it's, well, nobody else can do this but me. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I know you want to believe that because you want to have value in who you are and what you bring to your organization. But the reality is there are other people that can probably do it not only as good, but potentially better if you allow them the opportunity to do that. And ideally, that's really what you want. But you have to get over that, right? You have to get through that process. So there's a lot of psychological coaching that comes into play as well. It's the tactical business experience and things like that you would put in place. I think another part of that friction that you get from business owners they have that thought because they have been the only one there that could do it for so long. It's just hard for them to envision putting in place the systems and the processes and the training that someone else would need to do it as well as they do, because they've probably never gone through that process before. So it's sometimes hard to see. And I know it's always a struggle sometimes to get the client or the prospect to to see what you can see because you've done it before. And so that's always a, a little bit of a challenge. What what would your advice be to a small business owner who thinks all this sounds great and I need it, but boy, it's just hard to envision that could work, that someone else could come in here and do what I do. What would your advice be for them to maybe open up their mind a little bit and to at least look into it, right? Yeah. It's a great question. Again, I would say that the the biggest opportunity there is, first of all, from a psychological perspective, and I certainly don't have a background in psychology, but I became a certified life coach back in uh, 2014 or 15. And I worked with a gentleman called Jack Canfield, who wrote Chicken Soup for the Soul. He also wrote um, The Success Principles. And when I became certified through that process, one of the things that we learned extensively about personal growth, personal development, was that people have limiting beliefs, people have blocks, mental blocks, for whatever reason. And and they're established by our, one, a belief structure that was created before we were typically 18 years old, many cases, many 14 or 15 years old. So our belief structures are limited to what our scope of understanding was when we were a teenager, in many cases, right? And that often isn't challenged unless something dramatic happens in our lives later on. Which then goes makes challenges us to go back and rethink those not strategies, those beliefs, those concepts. And so what ends up happening is that the to your point, the challenge with the business owner is that they have these indoctrinated beliefs that they gained from somebody who was influential in their lives when they were younger. So a perfect example is if you want something done, do it yourself done, do it yourself. I can tell you that I heard my father say that more times than I can possibly remember. Yep. I my father and my grandfather is all from <laughs> all from those times. And don't get me wrong, there's something to be said for elbow grease and tenacity. Absolutely. You know? yep. But there's a time and a place to to ram your head through the wall that's in your way and to make a phone call and be like, I need a bulldozer over here and someone who can go and take care of something more important. Exactly. Yeah. And I think that's the, again, I think that part of the space that we operate in as my biz coaches, and I believe you do as well, Jay, is that's a lot of those clients are of that upbringing. So that psychology plays into that. And so to answer your question more fully is at the end of the day, the reality is that those people 
that are struggling with that, it, you also have to recognize that their business is their identity. And so ironically, one of the things that I uncovered when I started working with a local broker here in Arizona, he's been doing this for 38 years. And one of the things he helped me understand is actually one of the biggest barriers to closing a sale, selling a business is actually the owner's challenge with overcoming the identity issue that they're going to have when they sell their business because they identify who they are with their business. Yeah. And when they sell their business, who will they be? So to yeah, your point lot, earlier about people handing off responsibilities, that's actually part of the challenge is if I do that, then who am I? Yeah. And I mean, it is a tough thing. These are people that have spent most of their lives in the business, at the right. office, on, living you know, in the out business. in the field, you right. know, <laughs> hiring, firing, fixing, putting out fires. It's been there most of their awake hours. So it's understandable to some degree, but it's also, I think, important to recognize that there are better ways of doing things sometimes and to keep an open mind about that and to get the information about it, make an educated decision instead of just making assumptions, right? What are your typical clients? You said there's some white collar like dentists and chiropractors and doctors and that sort of thing. And like blue collar, like plumbers and HVAC and, and those sorts of things. The owners of those businesses, are they typically of what age group typically? Let's see. The youngest business owner that I'm currently working with is 34. I got a couple that are in their 30s. So how, how long typically, like what's your ideal client, the people you can help the most? Is there any particular characteristics like how long they've been in business, employee count? I think you did mention revenue, but I'm not sure exactly usually what you like to work with in there. Yeah, I, generally speaking, we're in the literally it'd be say 250 in gross revenue, 250 a year, 250,000 to about a million five, where's where we started. And mostly because the statistic that's out there is 91% of small business owners never achieve a million dollars in gross revenue. So our billion dollar mission is to help a thousand small business owners profitably achieve a million dollars in gross revenue. So that's our target audience is to help those people move from there to that next level. And theoretically, that moves them into a space where they become a more palatable acquisition target. That's something right. that, that, okay, you've got a manageable, you've got a business that's meaningful and you've got some solutions and systems in price that if I were to acquire you, I may still have to indoctrinate in a few new things, but generally it's still an investable business. And that should be motivation enough for a business owner who identifies as I'm the business owner. I run, this is mine. I built it with my blood, sweat, and tears. Well, that's your legacy. Let it live on. Don't yeah, it, that's a great point. Don't let it perish. Your employees are going to go have to go somewhere else. It's the old building is going to be decrepit and someone else's sign is going to be on it. Don't let that happen. You know, <laughs> come on. That's a new sales point. I'm going to I'm going to remember that in my next. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, but that's literally, I think, is the counter to the resistance yeah. of this is my identity. And it's right. Like, when you're gone, what's your identity going to be? Wouldn't you love for it to still be that? And by the way, brings me back to the question you asked me earlier about selling it to your existing employees. That's why I believe that's a valid ploy. Mm -hmm. Because when you try and find a suitable acquirer of your business, one of the biggest challenges that these business owners struggle with is the fact that if I bring somebody else in to buy my business, will they run it the way that I would run it? And right. the likelihood of that is probably slim. Not that it wouldn't, but that's actually part of the challenge with aligning those two. But if you sold to existing employees, the likelihood of that increases dramatically. That yeah. would be in alignment when you make the transition. 
Yeah, the employee ownership model, certainly I see so many benefits. Nobody works harder than a business owner. Absolutely. You know? <laughs> because profit matters to you. Happy customers matter a lot. So I want to quote something I see on your, your website here, and that's mybizcoaches.com. Free training for business owners. Everything about marketing your small business is wrong. I love it. I love it because we work with clients so often and, and they give us their client acquisition strategy. And I, I have to be very careful because it just, it, it makes me feel so bad. I'm like, why are you making this so hard? Because if you know the recipe, it's not hard, but it's just not common knowledge. It is a very specialized right. skill. If you want to be effective at it, if you just want to use the shotgun approach and uh, just throw a lot of lead, you'll hit something here and there, but right. It's awfully time consuming and expensive and it's not re reliable and it's not consistent. And I love that you have that right on your page there. I'm not going to steal it, but it's good. <laughs> I love it. I'm yeah. sure I'm not the only one using that phrase. <laughs> no, it's, it's all good, but yeah, you're absolutely right. And I, we deal with this all, all the time, the client acquisition strategy, people get something that kind of works. They're getting some customers, they're making a little bit of profit and they're like, I guess this is as good as it gets, but nothing really works. And, right. and there are a lot, and you brought this up earlier and not all business service agencies and, and companies are of the same caliber. Right. So a lot of business owners do try marketing and advertising on campaigns that just don't have any results. And then they're like, well, I guess it just doesn't work. We'll just keep doing what we're doing, which is what? word of mouth, yeah. <laughs> referrals, the sign next to the road or whatever, and, right. and whatever else they're doing, but it absolutely does work and it can work in a big way if it's done correctly. But it's interesting that it's great that you have that there and you have some free training on your website and you have a free book as well. Yeah. So I would encourage everybody go to mybizcoaches.com and uh, check out some of these free resources. Absolutely. Appreciate that. Yeah. The, we also we have a new site, mybizcoaches.co. And we're actually pivoting. The brand will move that, that site over, but there's, we have some new tools on there as well. We have a survey, helps you identify how prepared you are for growing and scaling your business. A lot of marketing solutions to your point or discussions, I should say, more specifically. And we've incorporated a platform where we're actually indoctrinating clients, or I said vendor solutions. One of the things that we recognize is that a lot of our business owners don't have the time to vet the good accountant, the good mm -hmm. bookkeeper, the good banker, the good merchant services companies, the insurance companies, whatever it is, right? With Through our relationships and the, and the networking that we do, I spend as much time finding new partnerships as I do new clients. Yeah, that's tough. I think it's great that you do that because I know throughout the years of, of building partnerships and in hiring uh, services from other companies and hiring people like you have to really vet people and it is very time consuming. Yes. And we've even had situations where we worked with companies who they knocked it out of the ballpark in the beginning. And yeah. then it goes downhill <laughs> real fast because now you're a client and you're just a number. And so, yeah, it takes time to, to find people who are really have that high skill level, top 10, 20% in their niche who deliver consistent and reliable results. And keep in mind, you're putting your name 
on these people. Right. And, and we do the same exactly. with, with our partners. Like I'm not going to put my name on someone I don't know delivers. Right. Exactly. Now this client's like Jay recommended these eggheads and now we got this disastrous problem and we spent all this money and got nothing back. <laughs> so we don't do that. And that's, it's very interesting. I think it's really important too, because like we struggle with this a little bit too. We want to help our clients as much as possible, but we can't do every single thing for a small business that a small business needs. Right. It just as you would have to be an enormous company with a lot of different skill sets, even though we do a lot of different things, you just, you can't do it all extremely well. It's and if you try, point. you end up diluting your core competency and your core focus. And we don't want to do that. So I, I love that you're doing this and we'd love to be a part of it too, somehow. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, to your point, that was the last statement you made, which was, we could do it, but then we would dilute the value that we bring to the table. And so what we recognized at my biz coach is I believe I could probably start a marketing agency and that would be a profitable business unit in and of itself just by referring our clients to our own marketing agency. However, I probably know two or three and that's and marketing is a whole nother beast in itself because it has so many different categories where if you're good at two or three, that's good. And that could be valuable to a number of clients. But if you're not good at these other two or three, just take, for instance, pay-per-click, video work, web design, SEO, and social media, take those five things. If you could possibly be good at all five of them, and really good at all five of those, which I think is un un completely unreasonable, then you'd have a phenomenal marketing agency. But the reality is uh, most agencies particularly small to mid-sized agencies are only good at two of those things, maybe three, but seldom do you find somebody who's good at all five of those. And to your point then, by us vetting those and working with different vendor solutions, when we engage with a client, we say, hey, you need to work with this person because they're a great web designer. Now we'll go somewhere else, and maybe they do web and SEO, for instance, but we're probably going to go somewhere else for our social media work because these people really have this figured out. Yeah, exactly put. And also we could translate this back to the business owner too, because that's basically what business owners do, right? They try to do it all. And like you said, you can, but you can't do it all really well, good. Yeah. Great. Yeah. And so it can work for a while, especially when you're bootstrapping and you're getting going, but it's not a very good long-term play. No, no. And that's what keeps you from scaling the business to where you really want to get to. It's the, what is the old analogy? Good, good is the enemy of great. Yeah. It's good. But if it was great, what would your business look like then? Uh, yeah. Don't let humble beginnings become your standard. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I like fantastic. that. That's a good one. <laughs> <laughs> so let me ask you this. This will be my last questions here and feel free to touch on anything else you'd like the audience to know. What advice would you give to entrepreneurs looking to succeed in a big way, not average, way above average, that you learned along the way that you wish you would have known when you started? I can tell you from my own personal individual setbacks as a business owner, I had a phenomenal trucking business that I built in 11 months. We went from zero to 26 trucks and we were billing a half a million dollars a month. And the one challenge, the one thing that I did not understand was how much capital it was going to require for that business. I knew it was capital intensive. I knew going in, it was capital intensive. I did not realize the, the, how much how intensive it was going to be. And consequently, that was the, my undoing in that business. It was, it required a lot more to money than I anticipated to grow and scale that business. The other part that I learned was acquiring capital to scale 
is a job in and of itself, particularly if you plan on selling shares or trying to raise investors or something like that. That is a whole task and responsibility in and of itself beyond running the day-to-day business, which I did not understand how challenging that is. So those are a couple of lessons that I learned along the way. But continuing to develop your skill set and leadership development, that's a huge I'm a big proponent. If you look on my LinkedIn profile and you see how much I talk about leadership development, that's probably one of my biggest pet peeves is people don't continue to invest in themselves, particularly when it comes to any skills, but particularly when it comes to leadership. Because if you own a business, you're a leader by default, right? And if you can't get people to see your vision and get behind your vision and move towards your vision, then you're going to struggle immensely to grow and scale. But ultimately, I think that the coaching I provide to somebody who's either looking to start out or just getting started, don't be afraid to ask for help. I don't believe in my experience, the people, the millennials and the Gen Zs are a lot more apt to be willing to ask for help than the people that are my generation and the baby boomer generation. They're very convinced that there's only one way to do it. Like we were joking about earlier, right? Is that if I want it done, I got to do it myself. And they're afraid to ask for help. And that's a challenge because I I have to overcome that before I can actually begin to help them. And so that's an opportunity. But I think if you're open to it and you listen, and I think the last thing I would say is that anybody who's asking for help, don't just take it blindly. There are some really good people out there that do great work, phenomenal work. I do believe that we're one of those that do that. At the same time, there's people out there that are taking something that they pulled off the internet and they're regurgitating it. And that's unfortunate because they made just a little bit more than you do, but they don't know enough to really move you through the trials and tribulations that it takes. Because I'm sure that everybody's seen the visual representation of of an entrepreneur's journey. And everybody seems to think it just goes from the bottom left to the top right. And it's a straight line. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. No, but as we know, it's a squiggly line that has lots of reversals. And that's why I have a swimming pool full of $100 bills, you know? <laughs> exactly. So it's exactly right. It is challenging. And there's there just as many bad days as there are good days in an entrepreneurial space. And the the biggest opportunity, I think the the biggest thing that I think that a, a new entrepreneur can bring to the table is a lot of grit and determination to be willing to stick it out because it's not easy. It's not impossible, but it's not easy. And it will require you to really challenge and push yourself. And that's where I said, having a professional coach or someone like that in that space is really valuable because they can help you through those tough challenges. Yeah, said 100% agree on that. And to recap one of your points, if you want your business to grow, you have to grow. Absolutely. (laughs) Personal development. Love it. Eric Whitmoyer, my biz coaches. Thank you so much for being here. Appreciate it, Jay. Thank you. It's been great.